highest of heights to the depths of the sea. And notice to finish up these last couple of verses, it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. I really wonder about this. You almost get the sense that Elijah, you know, he wasn't talking to Ahab disrespectfully, was he? Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Elijah knew that once the official worship of Baal had been defeated, the purpose of the drought was fulfilled. Rain was on the way. Elijah and Ahab would now do what they wanted to do. Elijah would pray and Ahab would eat. Ahab went to eat, and Elijah bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. This was an unusual posture of prayer for Elijah. He wasn't kneeling, he wasn't sitting, he wasn't standing, and he didn't lay face down before the Lord. This shows that the power of prayer resides in faith in the living God. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 18 in the book of 1 Kings. And so pray for your own life, right? That we would walk in such a way and understand what to say, how to say it, when to say it. All of these things are critical. What to say, when to say it, and how to say it. Because I can have the the right things to say, but if I say it in a wrong way, it can provoke a, a certain response. And yet I can, if I do these things right and I really bathe it in prayer whenever I have to do something like this, I need to be thinking. I need to be led by the Spirit at the moment and let Christ be the one using me. And then if they get mad, that's their problem. Because that may happen. And you may not have done anything wrong. But I know this, if my flesh is involved and I'm really giving them the business and I'm pointing the finger and I'm yelling and screaming, I'm probably going to get the business right back. Anybody recognize that? Happened to anybody? Yes, it has. Now notice verse 19. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel, Elijah tells to Ahab, to Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Now this Mount Carmel is up in the area on the uh, coast of Israel, uh, directly west of the Sea of Galilee. And this is one of the places we go when we go to Israel as well. And the Kishon River is right there. Um, It's dried up today, but that's where the, the location that Elijah killed these prophets. And so Ahab, verse 20, sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. 
And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If Lord is God, if Jehovah is God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. In other words, make up your mind. See, God always gives us a choice to follow him or to follow our own heart. And often if we follow our own heart, it will lead us astray. What does the Bible tell us in Jeremiah 17 verse 9? It's the one that we know so well. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And who can know it? And then God, in the same passage, the very next verse in Jeremiah 17, he answers, who can know this wicked heart of mine? And God says, I do. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, notice, according to the fruit of his doings. But God always gives us an opportunity to choose. And isn't that what love is? If I don't have a choice, then it's not love. If I tell my wife or whatever, you must do this, then I'm not really honoring her, am I? I'm not loving her. I'm overlording it on her. I'm manipulating her. I'm making her do something. God doesn't want us to do that. But God, speaking to, uh, speaking concerning Judah in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, he says this, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be whiter as snow. And though they are red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. And notice in verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, notice the conditional response, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. There's a choice, isn't there? Is it going to be Baal or is it going to be Jehovah? You guys have got to make up your mind. Now is the time to make up your mind. God would say in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, and God tells us, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. He he tells us the right answer. Make the right answer. Do the right thing. Choose him because he knows all things. He created all things and he knows all things. I want to know the mind of God, because if he's created all things and he knows all things, I want to know him. I want to leg up in this world. And do you know, Christian, as you know and, and study the word of God, you have a leg up on everybody else in the entire world. You know about Jesus, you know what's coming. You know what's happening. You're not confounded like everybody else. Verse 22, it says, Elijah said to the people, I'm, I, am, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. And, and that may or may not be true. We know that there's a hundred prophets that were uh, taken into those uh, caves. And, and the Lord would say later on, I've got 7,000 others who have not bowed the knee to Baal. He will, he'll say that to them in the next chapter. And so, remember, they, give, they take two bulls, and one bull, they, they, they build the altar, and they don't put any fire underneath it. And then Elijah, and, and so they're, they're calling on their, the name of their gods. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bull for yourselves and prepare it. And so they did. But notice in verse 26, and here they are calling upon Baal, trying to provoke him to do something, and there was no voice, and no one answered. No one answered. Now this is a direct confrontation between God and Baal because they claim that Baal was the god of the storm, the god of the the rain, the god of fertility. And they're claiming that he is controlling this drought 
But God is saying, no, I'm the one who spoke and caused the drought to occur. And when I'm ready, that's when it's going to end. And that's exactly what happens. And here they would serve this Baal, this man. I love what it says in Psalm 115. It's speaking of idols. Uh, the author says, Their idols are silver and, silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they don't speak. Eyes they have, but they don't see. They have ears, but they don't hear. Noses they have, but they do not spell. They do not smell, excuse me. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Neither do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in him. But I love this. God says, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Ye who fear the Lord. Trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. I love that. What a wonderful contrast between the gods of this age and God, Jesus Christ. Our great Father in heaven and His Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And so at noon, they, you know, they're still crying and trying to get on their thing, and Elijah begins to mock at them. You know, I, I kind of often think, you know, if he was in a hammock, you know, with a toothpick, you know, picking his teeth and going, hey, maybe your God is busy. Maybe he's on a journey somewhere. You might want to text him. I think, you know, maybe he's got his notifications turned off. You know, send him an, another text message. He's not listening. And so they cried aloud, and now to even show more of their devotion to their false god, they begin to cut themselves, which is their custom, with lances and knives, and the blood is gushing out. And just think of how ridiculous this is. And yet that's what people do today. To prove that their god is who they are, they gotta, they got to pick it. they got to go out and, and prove to, to their god that they are devoted. they got to throw Molotov cocktails into businesses to prove to their god that their devotion is to him, to the God of abortion. <laughs> yeah. It's what it is. Same spirit. Same spirit. See, false gods require you to do everything for them and sacrifice yourself for them. But Jesus, notice, he did everything for us and he died for us and paid the penalty. He did everything. We just had to believe and trust in him. So in verse 29 it says, So when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering. There was no answer, no voice, no one paid attention. Oh, hum. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And so they all came near and he repaired the altar. And notice what he does now. He takes 12 stones, he builds his own altar, and then he puts the, um, the bull and the pieces of wood on it. And then he fills water pots. And this is something that he didn't do. They didn't do for the prophets of Baal. Now he takes water and just soaks that thing, saturates the whole altar, the sacrifice. He, he makes it so incredibly ridiculous. So there's no way that somebody can say, well, there was a little piece of glass underneath the altar and the sun hit it just right because it's, it's more at night now, so they don't have that excuse anyway. But maybe somebody you know, took their big lighter and threw it in. You know, maybe, you know, so there's no possibility for this thing to be consumed other than God doing it. So he says, do it the first time, do it the second time, do it the third time. And I, I love that. The three times it speaks of unity. He did this three times, filling the water. So the water ran all around the altar, and it came to pass at the evening uh, of the evening sacrifice that 
uh, Elijah says, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Notice not Jacob. Not Jacob, the dirty, sneaky thief. No, Israel, the one governed by God. Just the name change automatically changes the tenor of the passage, doesn't it? You're the God of all these men, these brothers from old. Let it be known this day that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant, that I've done all these things. Notice that Elijah's giving God the glory. He's not touching the glory at all. And that's something that we ought to do as well, is to not touch the glory that belongs to God. It belongs to him. Him and him alone, we dare not touch it. But he says, hear me, O God, that this people may know that you are Jehovah God and that you have turned their backs. And then the fire came down. And it doesn't matter if it was a pool of water. It could have been an Olympic-sized swimming pool with the calf or the, 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 the sacrifice floating in the center of the deep end of the pool. It doesn't matter. It could have been the Sea of Galilee, and he could have licked up all the water in just one big bolt. <laughs> and notice God just takes the whole thing, nothing but dry earth left, and what do they do? They all fall on their faces. Now whose God is the king of the hill? Jehovah. Not Baal, the god of the storm, the god of fertility, the god of the, the rain and such like that. Now who's the man Who's the one on the hill? Who's the master of all? What is his name? Yes, Jehovah. He is the one. And they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. And so they seize these prophets. Elijah brings them right down to the brook Kishon. And he executes them there, yes. And so finally, this, this, this battle between God and the devil, God wins. He always wins. You can always look at the end of the book, and you'll find that God wins. And do that tonight. Read the last couple of chapters of the book of Revelation. Guess what? God wins. And you win because you're associated with him. Yes. Don't you, aren't you excited about that? You win just by being associated with him. I love that. You may be going through it right now, but guess what? There's coming a time, folks, when all of those tears, all of those heartaches are just going to be, we're going to even forget that it even happened. It's going to be like a distant memory when we're in his presence. And that's the truth of our eternity. Let your heart be carried away with that thought. It's a wonderful thought. And it's true. It's more true than the chair that you're sitting on. The reality of the chair that you are seated in tonight that what I just share with you is more true and more real than the thing that you're sitting on, that you're by faith you're sitting in and it doesn't collapse underneath you. It's more sure than even that. Be encouraged in your God. And notice to finish up these last couple of verses, it says, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. I really wonder about this. You almost get the sense that Elijah, you know, he wasn't talking to Ahab disrespectfully, was he? He's saying, hey, you better, you're going to need to eat because the rain is coming. And notice, 
go up and eat and drink. Go up higher into the mountain, eat and drink, because there's going to be a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up and he ate and drank. And Elijah went down to the top of Mount Carmel and he bowed down to the ground. He put his face between his knees and, his ser- and he said to his servant, now go over and look toward the sea. And when you're up on that area where many believe that this happened, this event occurred, you can actually see the Mediterranean Sea on top of Mount Carmel. You can look over to the west and you can see the Mediterranean Sea on a clear day. You can see it. And so that's what a servant does. And I've stood up there and I've looked and I've seen the Mediterranean Sea. And so he tells his servant, go, go and look. He comes back. No, don't see anything. We'll go back again. And all the time, Elijah's praying. And notice, seven times, the number of perfection Finally, he comes back and says, you know what? I think I see something. Looks like the, the small of a man's hand rising up from the sea. And he said, go up and tell Ahab, you better prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. And what grace? Notice the grace of that. If I were Elijah, I would say, you know what? Let him get stuck in the rain with his chariot. Let's, let's get out of here. But notice how God's kindness, even toward Ahab, and God gives to Elijah, yes, even this kindness against this very evil man. And see, no one will be able to stand before God and say, you know, I never experienced your kindness. I never experienced your grace. And and, and Ahab will have nothing to say when he stands before God. And Elijah knew that. He had it in his heart to treat Ahab with respect. And he, he told him the truth, and it was a hard truth. But he also was respectful and kind to him and wanted to make sure that he got out of there because not too far away from that is Jezreel. And that's where Herod, or I'm sorry, Ahab had one of his uh, summer homes or whatever nearby. And he says, you better get across that valley because that valley is the valley of Armageddon, by the way. When you're up on top of that Mount Carmel, you look out and you see the valley of Armageddon. Har Megiddo, they call it. It's near Megiddo, where Josiah died, where this battle that is yet coming on the earth in Revelation, you see the battlefield, and it's incredible. As you're standing there looking down upon the valley of Armageddon, you see Israeli F-14s and the Israeli Air Force flying overhead and flying down into the middle of the field and landing and disappearing <laughs> they land and they they bring them down underneath and they park the planes underneath the ground and who knows how many hundreds of planes are underneath there but it's like a hornet's nest i like that too because if anything happens you see them coming out like little hornets and the planes come out and then you'd better be very afraid be very afraid So he says, go up and tell Ahab, you better prepare your chariot and get back home because when the rain comes, it's going to get awfully muddy in the the valley there. And so he does that. And I just, I love the grace of this. And we're going to see God being gracious with Ahab, this really, really, really ungodly man. We're going to see it in chapter 21, how God's grace just... And, and it does, it causes Ahab for a, a time, and we don't know what happened to him ultimately as far as whether, but you know, God gave him opportunities, and he broke at one time. 
And we'll see that. But it says, Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind, and there was heavy rain. And so Ahab rode away, went to Jezreel. And then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, and notice, he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And that was just a supernatural thing too. And when it says he girded up his loins, all it really means is, is men in those days would wear an outer garment and an undergarment and then an outer garment. And they would have to pick that up and kind of tie it in a knot or hold it and run. Because you can't run when you got that around your legs. So they would take those things and they'd, they'd bunch them up around their, their knees or just hold them like that into their hands and they would run and they could actually run. But God gives him this grace to, to do this. But I, I love this chapter and just seeing the, the great grace of God and the battle between good and evil. And never forget this, folks, is that God wins. He wins. And we live in a land right now that's filled with idolatry. We're living in similar, perhaps similar circumstances. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Don't be afraid to speak truth to power. But when you do, make sure you have the heart of God in doing it. That's something that, you know, if you've got to, like me, I get frustrated, I'll be honest with you, and I hear about things that are happening, and I get really angry inside. And I have to take that to the Lord, and I have to get out all of that privately in my own house and in my own prayer closet so that when I'm actually in front of people, God has dealt with me on that. And I can be civil, I can be kind and respectful. And that's the name of the game. People need to see us that way. Anybody can be angry, but when we can speak boldly, but truthfully and respectfully, that is amazing. That's the kind of thing that the world needs to see, is Christians with conviction. Do we have the conviction of God? Do we know what's true, what's not true? Are we able, are we willing to stand up to that lovingly, in a godly way, to be coherent, Write it down if you have to, rehearse it, and, and pray over it, and then go and share your thing and do it with love. Even though the words themselves are going to be cutting like a knife. Isn't that amazing how somebody can tell you? I've had people do this to me and they've mastered this. Or they've done a really good job. They can just speak to me like I'm speaking to you. You know, Rob, you really are. You've got a lot of issues. They can, they can speak so softly to me and they can just cut my heart out. But they're doing, they really love me and I know that because of the way they're speaking to me. I look in their eyes and I can tell that they're not just doing it because they're frustrated and angry with me. No, they've spent time at the throne and now they're coming to tell me something hard and they do it and they do it in such a way where it just... I'm left there standing with my mouth open and my heart broken and God had his way. See, that's what Elijah did. I believe he did that. Even though he said, no, but you're the one, you're the troubler of Israel. He didn't yell. He didn't get out a megaphone and scream at him and throw stuff at him. He just spoke the truth in love. And we're going to see later on in chapter 21 how this, this demeanor that God's prophet had with this man, how it starts to change him a little bit. Don't know exactly... We'll find out how that all ends, but, um, but be encouraged. Be encouraged. Let's stand. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again for this, um, this passage. It just confirms to us again, Lord, that you 
Our sovereign, you're the one who wins this battle. Lord, we've read the end of the book and we know the truth. And Lord, help us to build our lives upon your word, to build our lives upon the truth of of who you are and what you've already accomplished and what you're already, what you're going to accomplish. And we know it for sure. We have an assurance of it, Lord, because you have told us in advance. And Lord, help us to live our lives in that confidence regardless of what we see. And Lord, temper our spirit that when we do speak truth to power, Lord, that we do it in such a way as to honor you and that we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, have your way with us. Cleanse us and heal us, Lord, from all of these things. May we glorify you today and tomorrow and all the rest of this week. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of First Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.